on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. In working with bigger teams, especially, you know, like a successful college baseball team, um, you're going to be an extension of the coach, right? So the coach is going to want a specific culture for his team. You want that to translate to being a better teammate, being a better team. What you got? In the Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple hows in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of In The Rack Podcast. I am your host, Chad, and with me is my co-host and fellow physical therapist, Nick. This episode is going to be another great one. Uh, we actually have a guest speaker with us today, and uh, this this guest speaker is a trainer. Um, he's uh, He goes by the name of Jackson Frey. Frey, is that correct? Fry. Fry. Oh, damn it. Looks like Frey. Uh, Fry. Jackson Fry. Jackson is a uh, sports performance coach for GBM Performance in Chicago, right? Chicago, Illinois. Yep. Um, as well as the head performance coach for the Chicago Jets hockey program, correct? Nice. Um, Nick has known Jackson for a long, longer than me, but uh, we did have the opportunity to meet Jackson, I think it was like last year. Was yeah, it was about, year? Was probably about this time last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, he stopped by our facility, you know, we got a little lift in, and um, he was actually the, you were the performance coach over at Chicago Sports Institute at the time. Right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, so that was also the time that we were building up our training program here, and we really had him come here, not for a lift, but we were trying to scoop his ass up because we wanted him to work for us, but he ended up staying in Chicago, so we were happy for him in any way. So, um, but yeah, Nick, you know a little bit more about him. Is there anything else that I missed here with the introduction? Yeah, I mean, he'll, Jackson will, will tell you, but we went to undergraduate school at Springfield College together. So we, um, you know, we're, we're, we hung out there. We played basketball there together, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then Jackson went elsewhere for grad school. I stayed at Springfield for grad school, but then we, we reconnected, um, you know, a couple of years ago once we were in our careers. And Jackson, like Chad said, really helped us as we started to grow our training side of ProForm. He helped us lay some of the foundation in terms of the the programming and, and you know, utilizing things that seem simple like Excel, but the spreadsheets to, to make the programs and stuff like that. So he's he's been a huge help, even though, you know, he, he didn't, um, you know, move back over here to, to join us, at least not yet, but um, it was it was a big help. So Jackson, man, welcome on. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your point, your your perspective on your your career, how you've gotten here, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to see you guys again. Uh, my name's Jackson Fry. I'm from Portland, Maine. And like Nick said, we went to undergrad together. Uh, he was in physical therapy. I went for applied exercise science and got a degree with a focus in sports performance. From there, um, well, I finished up doing an uh, internship with Boston College, and then from there kind of pushed me into working in the uh, collegiate realm for a bit. I got a graduate assistantship out in Missouri at Southeast Missouri State University, and I was there for two years, worked with the baseball team primarily, as well as, as, well as assisting with the other teams. From there, I went down to uh, Nichols State, in Louisiana, working with um, the basketball team primarily. And from there, decided to 
change things up a bit and get into the private sector. So I moved back up uh, to Missouri, moved to St. Louis, where I was there for a little over a year. And then um, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, we moved up to Chicago because she got a job promotion and I was able to uh, land a position with Chicago Sports Institute. And I was there for about three years until I just recently took a, a job uh, downtown Chicago with uh, GVN Performance. So it's a quick synopsis of, nice, man. You've of been, the you've roller been all coaster. Over the, uh, yeah, the, the <laughs> east, me to where I am now. Midwest, all those areas. Nice. So now at GVN, you guys are big into the sport of hockey, training hockey players, right? Yes. Um, so you were doing baseball at one college, then basketball. How has that transition been for you to going from these other sports to now, you know, with a big focus in hockey? Yeah, so my first two internships are actually a lot more hockey focused. Okay. So uh, my first internship was at a private training facility back in Saco, Maine. Um, it was the Orthopedic Associates Performance Center, and they had a connection with the Portland Pirates, um, and they had a big summer off-season hockey program there. So I got to work with a lot of hockey athletes there. And then obviously going with uh, Boston College for the, the spring of 2015, was able to work with their hockey team quite a bit. Uh, and I was the only intern for, you know, 27 different sports. So it was, uh, it's been really cool to just have such a, be able to work with such a wide variety of athletes. But I kind of initially started with training a lot of hockey athletes. And when I got to Missouri, you know, they were like, all right, baseball is yours. You know, you just kind of go with the flow. Uh, moved down to Louisiana. I grew up playing basketball. They wanted me to come in and take over basketball. Go no brainer. There. Yeah. Um, then when I got up to Chicago, that was when really even up in at Chicago Sports Institute, that was the main, you know, the mainstay of, of athletes coming in. And I've just... You know, I'm I'm from the north. I want to stay in a, a northern city. I'm like, you know, yeah. I'm training a whole bunch of hockey players right now. Like, why fight it? So, yeah. I made the decision to kind of steer my continuing education more towards hockey specific, um, quote unquote. And um, it's, you know, working with some of those other sports has definitely helped me along the way, getting a, a good feel for how, you know, you attack training athletes based on that on that given sport. Um. But just kind of easing into this niche with hockey's just kind of been natural, just with with the background starting from my internships and um, you know it's just a really really fun sport to train yeah. and, and and it's huge in the area, so it, sure. it was just kind of a no brainer. Just feel like everything's just been more like going with the flow. I didn't get into this industry thinking I'm only going to work with basketball players. Absolutely, you, know, you just kind of got to roll with it. And you know it's good because I feel like there are a lot of people in this. You know, not just in the strength and conditioning world, really, and even in physical therapy, you see a lot of people that get so kind of narrow minded. They're like, oh, this is it. I'm doing I'm, I'm doing it for this group of people, whatever it is, these athletes, this, um, you know, this clientele. And then, you know, it doesn't usually go that way, you know, so you got to keep an open mind and work with anybody and everybody um, sure. and, and just gain all that experience. So it's cool that you did that. So with regard to hockey, this is a big hockey area up here, you know, north of Boston. Once you pass that that line of Boston, you're, you know, and you're in the hockey territory. So what ha have been some of the challenges you've noticed in terms of working specifically with with hockey athletes? 
Yeah. So I think the, you know, the big thing is ultimately you're trying to make better athletes. So especially for like a younger hockey player, you know, you don't really need to get too hockey specific. You're trying to get them into good positions. You're trying to help them build muscle, produce force, produce force quickly. Um, as they get a little more experienced and, um, you need to get more specific with some quote hockey specific training. The challenge is a lot of times, you know, go into the looking at the hip and understanding how different skating is than anything else that other sports have to do. You know, the, the way they're producing force, the posi positions they're producing force from, the directions, the rotational demands of the hip are going to be completely different. And subsequently the stress are going to is going to be a lot more directed at different tissues than if you were to be upright sprinting or jumping over and over again like you would be in basketball or volleyball mm -hmm. so that's where you need to understand what they're going to be expected to do to skate fast over and over and over again throughout an entire season and then program accordingly nice nice i like that so in terms of how much would you say the stuff you're doing in the weight room, like even with your athletes, how much have you seen it translate over to faster skating, um, you know, better movement on the ice? Because obviously in the gym, we're on ground. It's not slippery. It's, you know, you're not on these skates. You're either barefoot or in sneakers, whatever the case is. How much have you seen that translate? Yeah, so that's definitely a an interesting topic because – the strength coaches or performance coaches that have the ability to test on ice speed are few and far between. Um, I have the luxury of having a sheet of ice, right? Cause we work right out of Johnny's ice house, downtown Chicago. Um, but we're not at the point now yet <laughs> where we can get on the ice and yeah. use timing gates and actually see if it's translating, because yeah. if you're not testing on ice speed, you really don't know. Yeah. And, and that's challenging because you can test their speed off the ice. You can do a lot of, um, you know, jump testing in the weight room. You can use force plates, all that different stuff. But if you're not testing it on the ice, you really don't know. So what I, um, I kind of just try to get feedback, you know, from yeah. the, from the coaches, from the players and just, you know, we're keeping things really basic in the weight room, especially with me just starting working with the Chicago Jets and I'm just asking them questions about, you know, are you feeling like you can get into deeper positions on the ice? Because, you know, research shows if you can get into deeper ranges of motion in your skating position, that's a big separator between elite and amateur skaters. So just tr trying to get that feedback from them and watching them play and picking up as much as I can. You know, I didn't grow up playing hockey, so a lot of it's just kind of learn as you go, like what to look for in the actual game. Um, but really, it's just kind of getting that feedback, see how they feel. Do they feel faster? Do their coaches think they're moving faster? And if you have the ability to test on ice speed, that's that's really a, a game changer. Yeah. You can, you know, test that over time and see if what you're doing is really working. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's huge for us to like at, at Proform is, is the feedback is, is so undervalued in, in, for a lot of people. Um, it's almost like some people don't believe what their client or patient is telling them to be. They, they almost, some people just assume that they're saying what they think we want to hear. 
But getting that feedback is is great. If you don't have the capacity or maybe the equipment to measure something you want to measure, the best, the second best thing there is how do you feel with that? You know, how do you feel stronger with it? Do you feel faster with it? Do you feel like you can get by people faster? You know, so always constantly taking that stuff in. And I know you're big on creating a positive culture and we'll get into that in a little bit. But, you know, that's a huge aspect of it is this, you know, two-way street, this back and forth, as opposed to some some people out there, whether they're coaches, PTs, and anyone in this, you know, field, this realm, um, they, they tend to be, you know, more like that that authoritative figure that's just do this, do that, and then not really taking it, the, the, the feedback from them or not giving them any kind of ownership in the process, which is is huge for every everyone whether they're in pain out of pain trying to be a better athlete trying to reach it attain any goal you know um that's that's awesome so i know you mentioned you didn't grow up playing hockey do you think that that's been um helped you hurt you hasn't changed anything in terms of your transition into this focus in in the hockey world um i think i think it's helped me because i didn't come in thinking I play, you know, if I'd grown up playing hockey, maybe I come into this profession thinking, all right, the game of hockey is so different than anything else. They need to train so much differently than everybody else. When in reality, the bulk of your training is general, right? Like, exactly. and we all say it like in, in the industry, even if you are putting the lightest load on the bar and trying to move it as fast as you can, it's not going to mimic the speeds you're going to reach when you're sprinting on a football field or, you know, jumping unweighted on a basketball court. And then you add in the fact that you're skating on the ice, like you don't have ice in a weight room, right? Everything is general. So just understanding that at the end of the day, everything is general physical preparation. Um, And I think that's helped me just coming from not playing hockey, seeing that, okay, like, you know, you're trying to develop better athletes, but you don't necessarily need to make things super specific just because the sport's so different. Uh, where I think it's been a challenge is kind of <laughs> relating to some hockey players. Just, you know, I've literally never, I've like skated, right? Growing up yeah. in, in Maine and stuff, yeah. but like I've never laced them up and played a men's league game or, you know, aside from just playing some pond hockey. So I think uh, understanding exactly what it feels like and what a game is like would definitely help me. Um, but I don't think it's been too much of a, uh, too much of an obstacle. No, that's great. I, I can resonate with you on that in terms of seeing certain patients that do, you know, whether it could be rock climbing, I've rock climbed once in my life and now I have to try to connect with them on this level that I don't really know what's going on. You know, I don't really know the technique. I don't know all that kind of stuff. So, you know, doing, doing a little bit of research can help and watching videos or whatever the case is, but you know, it's true. You, you do. Um, and that's more of a reason to get their feedback because that's going to help you learn a little bit about what, what they're doing, the movements they're doing, how they're doing it, all that kind of stuff. I think that what, that's what defines you as like a good coach though, too, because you should be able to adapt and, you know, be able to train anybody, you know, yeah, whether sure. they're for sure. like, we've got the Boston marathon coming up in a week. You think I've ever run a marathon? <laughs> Hell no. But I can get those people ready to run the marathon. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I know what's involved in terms of the recovery and rehab side of it. So, I mean, same with the coaching and the training side. I mean, you know the demands of the sport, so you're able to train it appropriately. Right. Yeah, I, think I, mean, that, I think that's a good time for Chad's announcement of he is going to join a local CrossFit oh. gym to attempt some, some to try some CrossFit. Because we see a lot of CrossFit, CrossFit athletes here. Yeah. And our big thing is 
Um, but Chad and I actually had this conversation a couple uh, years ago where I was like, Chad, we see a lot of runners, man, and neither of us really run. Like I grew up playing basketball, so I'd run, but I never liked running with no, you know, kind of sport or ball involved. And uh, I was like, I think I'm just going to pick it up to some extent so I can resonate with our runners in that aspect. And, you know, I went through, you know, aches and pains here and there. So now I feel like I can connect with them to at least some extent. I I haven't done a marathon. I still don't run a ton of mileage. I don't do any of that, but I do it um, decently regularly enough to just have, have some of that kind of in the trenches experience. And now Chad's joining I, I, I want to be able to relate to my CrossFit <laughs> athletes better, and it, it could probably make me uh, a little bit better of a of a human moving moving wise. So, I'm, I'm interested. We'll see. But yeah, it starts this week. So by the time this airs next week, we'll see if I'm still talking about it. Yeah, and I, I think it definitely helps to, you know, have a feel for you know what the sport totally is all about. Uh, but I always think back to this one example. Uh, you know, Eric Cressy, right yeah. from the area, arguably the the biggest baseball strength coach in the United States. He played, I believe he played soccer, right? Yeah. He played soccer. Yep. And now he's in charge of all the strength and conditioning for the New York Yankees. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> it's like that guy's never thrown a ball 95 plus, but he's training all these guys that can, you know, yeah. and to be able to do that for an entire season. So thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's probably gotten a lot of those guys to throw it a couple miles per hour faster too, which is, is pretty cool. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so let's, let's turn back a little bit to, we had mentioned the, the creating a positive culture in the weight room. Um, I know that's one of your kind of big things that you like to do. You like to get, you know, even these young athletes, not only understanding what move, what movements you want them to do, but understanding it to a point that they could teach their peers, which is really, really cool. So tell us a little bit about like how you got into that, but also how you incorporate that and implement it in the, in the weight room. Yeah. So, you know, every single one of my experiences, starting with the internships and, and getting into uh, my first full-time jobs were working with bigger teams and, in working with bigger teams, especially, you know, like a successful college baseball team, um, you're going to be an extension of the coach, right? So the coach is going to want a specific culture for his team because, you know, everything you do, you want that to translate to being a better teammate, being a better team, winning games, right? So chasing those goals. And I was exposed to some really good coaches, um, you know, Coach Johnson, uh, Coach Ryan Johnson, when I was at Southeast Missouri State, and Coach uh, Greg um, down at Nickel State, they were huge on creating culture. You know, all these different teams would come train, but the way that they carried themselves and the way that sessions were going to be run were all going to be the same. And it came down to, you know, one thing that I remember from so Southeast Missouri State was the Red Hawks, right? So every time they put their dumbbells back, the logos on these hexagon dumbbells, it was Red Hawk up. And I if, love the, that. if you couldn't Chad put a line, I love everything about it that. was from five pounds to like 150. If you couldn't look all the way down and the Red Hawk was perfectly lined up, that team was coming back to fix it. Right. So just like little things like that, because even though you think about it, you know, putting a, putting a logo the way it should be 
what does that have to do with winning games? But if you have that mentality of never be too dig- big to do the little things yeah, and sure. um, a big mantra that I learned from the book Legacy, if you guys have read that about the All Blacks, is sweep the sheds, yeah. right? They, the sheds are their locker rooms. They clean up after themselves. They're the best rugby team in the world. So that culture of never being too big to be to do the little things, I think, resonates whether you're a, you know, 13 year old hockey player or a guy in the NHL. And that's something I really try to get through to these kids because a lot of them are coming in really green. They've never seen a weight room before. They don't know how they should carry themselves. Um, and I'm all about number one, you know keeping everyone safe so if i have a controlled environment where you know i've got some kids doing a certain exercise and if they're not the people that aren't doing it are coaching it and that's something i've seen from joey burgles Mm -hmm. and i think he does a phenomenal job because he works with a similar demographic um, in terms of age that i do so what i will do is i'll set up you know a split squat and if they're not doing the exercise they're going to be coaching the exercise and there's been a couple of teams, I've only been working them for six to eight weeks where I'm telling them what to do and then I just step back. Yeah. Um, because if they're coaching up someone else, number one, they're looking out for each other, yeah. which is a good thing. They're holding each other accountable and someone who can watch the correct parts of a movement and the incorrect parts and highlight those are much less likely to mess it up when they do it themselves. I mean, the benefits are just endless. Um, so that's something I'm really trying to keep consistent with every single uh, team I work with is, is that culture in there. I, I would say, too, that that was probably one of the main reasons that we tried to last year snag you away from, from Chicago was because of that, uh, you know, that, that culture aspect, because that's what we try to do here. You know, that's a big thing. I mean, Chad's big on the dumbbells um, being being lined up. There, there's a couple not right that, now. That 160s, right? I know. Crazy. There's a couple not. And usually <laughs> before the end of the day, one of us will go over and fix it, it without a doubt. Same thing with the the med balls, Rogue, and the, yep. the, the weight's got to be facing out yep. at a certain level. Can't be like two tipped up, two tipped down, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. You know, certain things got to be in the same place. There are some things that kind of move around, like the the DC blocks. They, they, they hover, but the most part everything's got to be in a certain place and we make sure it is before we go home. Um, I think we probably could do a better job of, of making our, our clients and, and patients put the stuff away in that, in that way, but we'll get there. That's why we were trying to stay. So you can little by little. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's good though. The, the culture is such a, a big piece that I feel like a lot of people talk about they know it's important and they're like yeah yeah you got to make the culture but they don't put in the behind the scenes work to make it happen and that's where the, the the magic happens is when you can actually implement that and and you know keep it on a certain level each day day in day out is huge it makes all the difference keep things consistent for sure for sure absolutely um any other questions on on culture chad there how's so in your your new spot gvn performance how's the culture over there like compared to where you were previously? Is so, that one of the main factors why you went to GVM Performance? So the the setup is, is a lot different. Um, so at uh, Chicago Sports Institute, it's, a, it's all one-on-one. Okay. Um, so it's going to, you know, you can, I would try to instill some of those culture points with, you know, the younger athletes where, again, they don't have much experience training or if they want to end up, I worked with one kid um, 
who was going on to play college hockey and you know there were times where he would you know come in a couple minutes late or not clean up after himself and again at the end of the day they're paying a lot for that service so you know it's a little bit of like i mean am i you're you're paying me quite a bit so i can clean up right that's that's, yeah, that's part of it sure, but exactly i think it's a bigger benefit to the the athlete to say okay you want to go play college guess what i worked in numerous um college strength and conditioning programs and that's not how it's going to be there yeah right yeah. so it's if anything it's my job to prepare you like if you show up five minutes late you're going to get chewed out and again i'm not going to sit there and like a berate berate a kid like when i'm training one-on-one -on -one and all these other people around watching but i want to set the expectation that listen number one like you're not going to get a full session you are being pretty disrespectful to my time right so that's another big part of it and you know you're going to be expected to to adhere to a certain culture when you get to this place so you should be prepared for it um where i'm at now uh gvn it's a lot more group based so during the summer we've got a lot of off-season hockey players and it'll be groups of you know at most eight um in a pretty small space so just making sure things are running smoothly. Um, I, I came in at the tail end of the summer, so I wasn't able to get too much of the culture stuff going with them. Uh, but with the Chicago Jets, I'm working with groups of, you know, 12 to 20. So in a, in a small space, so they need, to, in order for us to get anything done, it needs to be a lot more, you know, dialed in than a one-on-one -on -one session. So I think I'm, making more of an emphasis on that culture aspect because again i'm working directly with the team and i want them to have this mentality when they're practicing when they're playing all this different stuff where before i was a little bit more just working with one person and i don't know necessarily what their uh what their like playing situation is and things like that no now how's the um obviously that's a huge difference in change for you for programming for one person versus a whole team how's the transition been with the, the on the programming side so it's a, it's a little bit more of like a slower burn. Um, and one challenge that I'm having uh, with some teams is, you know, I have a team of 16, 18 kids. Maybe there's six to eight that are doing the right things. Their movement looks good. They're focused. They're locked in. They're coaching each other. And then maybe I have a couple people that don't really care and a couple people yeah. not screwing off in the background. And I'll bring them all together and I'll be like, listen, some of you guys are ready to keep going, but I'm not going to progress you and move on to, you know, heavier weights or different harder variations of exercise if I can't trust all of you. Because the second I turn my back, I know you guys are going to be messing around, shoving each other. Guess what? If one person gets hurt, that's one too many. Yeah. Right. So if you're not all going to be, if we're not all going to be on the same page, we're going to do, you know, body weight split squats and push ups for the entire season. And then you can look back at it and be like, wow, maybe I should have. Maybe I should have listened to coach yeah. so we could, you know, because they're all asking me, oh, can we actually lift weights today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all want to lift. It's like, dude, have yeah. you seen yourself do a push-up? <laughs> That's all the weight you need, Let's start man. on the ground first. That's all the weight you need. Yeah. I've got like 13, 14-year-olds. Oh, we actually lift today? He's like, what do you think we do every single time you come in here? Um, so, yeah, it's definitely different with the programming. Number one, I need to choose exercise variations that a lot of people can do in a small space where – when I was working one-on-one, -on -one, like I could do whatever I wanted with, yeah. within the facility. Um, so that is a, a challenge, but I th actually think it's 
a benefit because I'm, it forces me to keep things more simple, right? Which that's true. It's easy to get carried away if you've got all the toys, totally, you know, with someone who doesn't necessarily need it, you know? So it's good. It's better to keep those tips and tricks and different methods in your back pocket for when they absolutely need them and ride whatever you're doing until they no longer see a benefit. Um, so I think it's, it's different, but I think it's been beneficial for me as a coach. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was actually thinking about back to a video you posted on Instagram a couple months ago where there was a little kid, he, he looked young, but you had him doing like a six second eccentric and he was counting out his six seconds. And if anybody works with younger kids and tries to get them to do eccentric, their six seconds will be an absolutely like 1.7 seconds actually. So this kid was legit counting six seconds and he probably took eight seconds to go down. It was one of the coolest videos that I think I've seen because seeing a kid that young actually just act out loud counting his six seconds, but making it a true six seconds was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And the best part about that was I did not tell him to count that. Yeah, he just did <laughs> it. He just... I was counting his tempo for him um, for the first, you know, couple of weeks. And then eventually he started like counting as I was going. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I don't. Yeah, that's awesome. Go, and he go ahead. And he didn't rush it. He was just embracing the, embracing the burn. I love it. Well, that's awesome. And he would say up too. So yeah, like nice. when I was telling him to come up, but he was like telling himself to come up. Awesome. Right. But at a certain point, I was like, all right, the weight's getting a little heavier. Maybe save your, your breath, save your energy. I can, I can count. You can just focus on, on lifting the weight. That kid's going to make it in whatever he, he uh, you know, whatever he strives to do, whether it's sports or in the you know, real world business, whatever. He's going he's gonna to make it. He's going to make it. Cool. Um, so Chad had kind of dipped into a little bit on the programming side. I know you guys do a lot of like, you mentioned the force plates, you guys do a lot of measuring stuff. How, how are you incorporating that right now? Like the, the, you know, whether it's measuring workload, um, volume, all that kind of stuff. How are you implementing that in the, the team setting? Um, with, with these younger kids, are you using the force plates with them real young? Are you just doing the basic stuff? How's that going? So I'm um, I'm still pretty pretty green when it comes to using the force plates. Um, so what I'm doing right now with the jets is you know we have a 15, uh, the 15s, 16s, and 18s, uh, the, the three oldest teams. I will do like a weekly just like a counter movement jump just to track their progress over time. Uh, I don't. I mean I could dive into it and look into you know as I learn more what is the data showing me should they be programmed a little differently um it's tough to do logistically with with that many kids especially when they're only coming in one or two times a week um so i'm using it more just for like tracking yeah i'm tracking their jump heights but obviously the force plates will show me so much more and then i can kind of look back over time and see okay this is the type of programming we're doing um and these are this is what we're seeing from their uh from their jump numbers we use them a lot more during the summer, especially because we have a lot more uh, higher level yeah. uh, hockey players then. And then our uh, one of our coaches is really, really good with with the force plates, and he's able to, um, you know, decipher that stuff and and get into changing the programs based on what he's seeing, especially for like the really, really high level guys or someone who's like coming back from an injury. I think that's a huge benefit that 
um, from from the fourth place, just seeing okay, where were you before the injury? We had a um, I won't use names. Uh, we had a, a big time uh, hockey player training with us this summer and coming back from an injury, and his numbers were actually a lot better than even before the injury. So we felt really good about that. Um, but I think it's it's tricky. Like I'm I'm new with it, so I don't want to like over go yeah, dive too sure. deep into it. For when sure. at the end of the day, I'm you I'm training. You know, the majority of who I'm training are in middle school and high school, and all these numbers are going to get better just from. You know, I always I always joke like a new trainee is going to get stronger by like walking and chewing gum at the same time. Like you know, it doesn't take much. So as I learn more and as I get certain situations where if I'm in more of like a small group or a one-on-one setting with a higher level athlete, I might dive into the numbers a lot more. But right now we're just kind of using it for um, tracking week to week and seeing the jump numbers and, and where they're going based on, you know, how many games they're playing, what their practices are like and stuff like that. Um, but that's about it for, for me in terms of like the monitoring, um, you know, as a performance coach, like you're monitoring the volume and the workload and I leave things open-ended sometimes for like, you know, go based on how you're feeling that day, especially as I can learn to trust you. And I, I know that you understand what, what the sweet spot is for like what you should hit that day. Um, but beyond that, it's, it's more just conversations, you know, with, with monitoring seeing how they're feeling keeping that open line of communication and having them trust you to, you know, especially with hockey players that kind of have this like, you know, tough demeanor. They never want to say when they're hurt. Yeah. Uh, just having them feel comfortable to come up to you and let you know, Hey, you know, coach, I'm really just not feeling it today or this happened in the game and this is bugging me. Um, and just kind of tailoring things from there. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's, nice. that's yeah. kind of where we're at right now in terms of, of monitoring and training loads. So. I think I think we all have that tendency to uh, when we learn something new to just throw it at everybody. That's <laughs> um, that's very very common. Um, so you learn from that though. You you know you learn from that that we'll call it a mistake of just giving everybody this new exercise you learn or this new kind of measurement technique or whatever. So we've all been there for sure. But no, I would say that that is probably another another aspect of that kind of gap, that bridge between like physical therapy and training too is, is yeah, you're always measuring stuff in rehab too, but people get caught up, especially something like post-operatively where they're, they're caught up in the numbers, degrees of range of motion or whatever, but it's like, just take a step back. How are they feeling? You know, like, are they, um, having a hard time, you know, mentally with this process and you're just not addressing that. And now they're so guarded and that's, probably an underlying reason why they're not getting more range you know so we always forget that this this is a person this is a human being um so we gotta remember that as the you know the pinnacle there um let's uh let's dive into i i had this as a question i wasn't sure if we were gonna get to it but let's get to it um is we did qu- is this question meant for me we did I, a, uh, I think i know which question you're well so about. i just you put this on here i saw that i, I, I know i'm like <laughs> i just want to hear jackson's uh input on this so chad and i it was a friendly debate because we kind of ended we took different routes to get to the same location but it's <laughs> a good way we, to put it yeah we took we took different roads different roads i mean i just I, I you could look at it however you want i may have taken a longer road whatever but we had a debate on if cardio will hinder your muscle gains, particularly muscle growth. So what are your thoughts on 
cardio and trying to gain muscle. Should you do none of it? Should you do some of it? Should you do a lot of it? Should you vary it? When I mean, should you do tell it? Us, yeah, when should you do it? How much should you do? Let us know. Yeah, so... You can say whatever you want. Speak freely. <laughs> um, I mean, I think with anything in training, everything you do needs to complement the ultimate goal, right? So if if building muscle is your number one goal, you're trying to build mass. Again, it also kind of depends on if you're trying to gain like absolute mass or like mass relative to your body weight, right? Mm. So if you're trying to get mass relative to your body weight, then maybe you're going to do a little bit more cardio. If you're trying to just build as much muscle as possible, yeah, maybe you can do some on like recovery days, but the bulk of your training load, right? You're, the What you're doing for your training needs to be centered towards gaining muscle um i've worked at a a csi chicago sports institute uh got me really into with them being uh like a poliquin type gym into like the modified strongman training and i think that is a phenomenal uh, modality if you're trying to condition stay lean and also build muscle if you're out there running, you know, 20, 30 plus miles a week, and you're telling me you want to build a lot of muscle, yeah, I don't think that's a very good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it just, and you, we were talking about, you know, your last training program and you said you were just doing too much. Yeah. And I think that's another thing too, is, you know, especially for people that aren't as informed as we are about, you know, exercise and training is like, they just, they see something like, oh, that guy, or that girl looks really good, Let I'm going to do their program. Or that person looks really, I'm going to do their program. It's like at the end of the day, do a program, focus on that and see what happens. And yeah. you need to make sure that you're not doing too much because if you don't recover, none of it matters. Exactly. So, so true. I think if you are trying to aggressively build muscle, I wouldn't do too much like long endurance cardio. Um, at least for the phases where like you're really trying to build like focus on hypertrophy there's other times where you can do some conditioning where maybe you're going to take a step back on the hypertrophy it's still your ultimate goal but you want to do some more aerobic conditioning so that when you use the methods that are going to help build more muscle maybe you're more prepared for it you can recover quicker you can handle higher training loads maybe you're doing some high intensity conditioning so that when you again are handling heavier weights and you're trying to produce power um, then you're better able to tolerate it. But again, it's all done with like the, the long game in mind. Um, so yes, you can definitely do, yeah. do cardio. I would try to go more on the high intensity end of things. Yeah, sprints, baby. Sprints, um, sprints, sprints. In moderation though. <laughs> yeah. I know, I'm just saying go sprints. Yeah, I know. Go I sprints. mean, I know there's a genetic factor, but sometimes I'll, you know, I have some gen pop clients who want to, uh, build a lot of muscle right they want to get jacked and they're like running long distance yeah so would you rather and again genetics play a role but would you rather look like the person who wins the boston marathon or the person who wins the 100 meter dash at the olympics yeah exactly right there is something too and christian thibodeau talks about it a lot um with like high intensity training and sprinting and muscle growth because even though you're not getting like that long time under tension like true hypertrophy training or like the old school of thought obviously we're, we're learning some new things about you know muscular tension and mechanical tension meaning a little bit more than time under tension for 
um, hypertrophy purposes, but you know, just being a well-round, like being well-rounded with your training, I think is the, is the ultimate, um, ultimate goal there and just make sure everything goes back to what am I trying to, what's my end game? What's, yeah. what's the finish line for me? And are the things I'm doing along the way going to get me there? Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know if that, no, that's no, great. I mean, I think that's, you, you hit a lot of good points there too, about, you know, relative and absolute, uh, muscle mass, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you want to look like you're in the CrossFit games or a powerlifter, yeah. powerlifter has more muscle, but the guy in the CrossFit games is going to be a lot leaner right so again it just depends on yeah. on kind of because even if it's like yeah we're building muscle then there's avenues to that and yeah. like there's always totally. yeah and and it was it was a funny um friendly debate for chad and myself because we we chad chad obviously has very very specific goals um and and my goals over the last couple of years have gone very much up and down because i've just you know i'll, I'll see something and be like oh i want to try that i'll try it That'll be my goal for eight weeks. Like something like I had in the spring, I was like, I want to jump higher. So I tried to jump higher and probably jumped a little bit higher, but then I was like on to something else, you know? So <laughs> my goals are, are kind of up and down. O overall, the goal is still to, you know, be healthy, um, look the way I want to look, stay lean, that kind of stuff. But um, my goals have, have kind of been up and down, which I, I need to, that, that's, a, that's a me that's thing. A you problem. That's a me thing. Yeah, yeah you're, I need you're to, getting closer. I need to dial in. Yeah, and when Chad says I'm getting closer, he just wants me to to be on his on his wavelength <laughs> and just. No, yeah. I think it's great that we both do different things. Yeah, no, it is. It, it makes it way better. But your goal is more of like the balanced approach. So exactly. Like, so and I'll look back at your training yeah, here. For sure. Don't look at it as like, oh, I'm like jumping all over the place. Think about, okay, you're dedicating one, focusing ma on one macro this. cycle yeah. to yeah. hypertrophy, yeah. one macro cycle to sure. absolute strength, one macro cycle to power because sure. you want to maintain all those things. Yeah. No, I and then at the end of the day, like, you know, you're going to yeah. look the way you want to look as long as you for sure, for sure. And I, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing to mention because there's a lot of people we get, especially over here. I mean, I know you're probably in a different situation seeing athletes who their goal is to get better at that sport, but we see a lot of people that were like, Hey, what are your goals? And they're just like, I don't know. I'd like to lose a couple pounds, you know? So they don't truly know exactly what they want to do. So a lot of our thing for them is okay, well, if you want to lose some weight, we got to put on some muscle because one, you're going to be a better fat burner if you have more muscle, but we can't just lose a bunch of weight and lose all that muscle because that's good, good stuff to have the muscle. We know that's associated with, with better health outcomes, all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of our, our big approach is let's get you more muscle. And I think sometimes we get in this situation where we get so caught up in building the muscle that we kind of lose a little bit of, um, focus on, on that cardiovascular piece. Um, but I mean, even then we're only seeing people, you know, a couple, a handful of days a week. So the cardio is stuff they do on their own, but being able to guide them through how much they should be doing during a certain time is, is always good, but it's always fun to hear people's insight on, on, on that. So what about the flip side? What about, um, if someone's trying to gain cardiovascular fitness, what's your outlook on the lifting piece? So again, if the ultimate goal is cardiovascular fitness, you want to have your strength training. Yeah, dial back right. a little bit. Well, you want to have a compliment that. Yeah, for sure. Right. So if you are trying to, and you see this even with like long distance runners, just getting them stronger a lot of times will get their oh 
their race scores down. They're like, what? What's the deal there? We see so many marathon runners and our big thing to them is like, hey, can you just do some strength training? Like, that's all we want you to do. Just run five less miles a week. And, you know, it's like. Well, because they think that running is strength training. Yes. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, for sure. it's categorizing it. You know what for I mean? Sure. It's, it's, for sure. And it's, it's not that they're doing it on purpose. They just don't know any better, you know? Yeah. And, and that's a big thing too, is just, you know, educating them. But I think that side of it is a lot easier to, to dissect, I guess is like, for sure, because you want to get stronger, but you don't want to put on a whole, you know, a whole lot of weight. Yeah. You could, you could do a strength training session for like th 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Be, or you know, gain you know, benefit yeah. from keep it. Yeah. it. You want to focus on more relative strength, right? So keeping, you know, if, if there are more experienced trainee that can handle those higher loads, then you want to keep the, you know, the loads relative intensity more like 85, 90 or above. Whereas like you can kind of go more in that functional hypertrophy, absolute strength in the eighties, if they want to get stronger and want to build more mass, if they build more mass, it's going to, you know, limit the, their ability to do more of like the cardiovascular, like endurance type events, um, or even just like the type of training you do. So give it, make it a little more concentric focus, maybe less. Yeah long duration eccentrics if, yeah. if if that's your goal for sure um, just have everything complement yeah. complement what the number one thing you want to accomplish is. so you were saying that uh, let's change topics just a little bit you were saying that um because that's that is a cool topic but we've already beat that one to death <laughs> <laughs> you said that where you were at csi you were very much poliquin based in terms of your training is there a difference in type of training model over at the place that you're at now and I only say that because I know you got a couple of gift fellows over there from Gray Institute. I don't know if that's like kind of trickling into what you guys are doing or do they give you just free reign on, on how you guys do things over there? Yeah, so it, it, it's a team effort for sure. Um, there, there's definitely some Poliquin influence. Uh, our owner, Brian Galvin, actually just got his uh, level five uh, PICP. I don't know why. So shout out, shout out to Brian, trying that's to awesome. get some brownie points there. Um, <laughs> So there's definitely some Poliquin influence, but it's it's more, you know, we do get free reign and we're all a part of the programming process because, you know, we've all had different experiences. We're coming in from different places and maybe we have different insights. So, yeah, we'll use some Poliquin um, based things like at times. And then maybe we'll get some stuff from, you know, the Gray Institute, uh, uh, Pat. Galvin, um, who's out there, who's been trained with the Gray Institute. He does a lot of really good stuff for return to play or, you know, he'll take a group through their full like movement prep. Um, and then, you know, we use, we have some influences from like Christian Thibodeau, from Altus. Um, you know, I've got some influence from like Eric Cressy stuff that I really like. And even like Mike Boyle, it's, we kind of pick and choose. And even if, you know, cause we do have a second facility out with, uh, out in Michigan with the national team, the US uh, NTDP, the national team development program and the way that they do things there maybe is not the exact same way that we do things in Chicago, um, just because it's different coaches. So we try to communicate and learn from each other as, as much as possible and keep a growth mindset because, you know, it's, I think, uh, might ruffle some feathers here. I think it's pretty short-sighted and reductionist to think that doing things one way is the best way oh totally agree we agree with you a thousand percent you know because yeah. it's you know well this other person does things much differently than you and they also find success so it's just kind of 
it's it's tricky and you don't want to like do too many things all at the same time but it's finding what works within your within your setting within your constraints and trying to learn over time i i truly believe that if a coach is doing something next year the exact same way they were doing this year i, I think it's a little lazy to be honest like yeah, for sure. yeah you can still stick to uh you can still stick to your roots and stick to what works for you like if it works don't change it but for you not to seek out ways to do things better and uh what the saying uh, slaughter some some sacred cows i think is providing a bit of a disservice to to your athletes and to your clients so for sure yeah we we wholeheartedly agree with that because that's kind of what we do i mean even just thinking about myself the way i've changed in treating physical therapy patients working with training clients in just the last you know couple months is is pretty crazy especially Um, now that we're like um really combining performance training yeah. with physical therapy and bridging that gap and, yeah yeah we bridge it so much that we're like <laughs> we kind of forget what we're doing you know what i mean are we doing pt are we doing we're doing them both we're doing it all it's funny because i had a guy that i was actually just away at a conference and and i had a guy that just asked me that question he's like so how do you treat over there i was like i don't understand what you're talking about like he's like what do you is there anything that you like what do you focus on like mckenzie or mulligan i'm like do i do it all i don't just do one thing like i and and if that's your type of tea that's that's fine but I mean, like you said, I think you're doing your patients or your clients a disservice by not giving them a whole bag of like all good stuff. You know, if it's only one bag that you're pulling from, I think that you're uh, shortchanging your clients, patients. For, for sure. Because like certain systems and methods were designed and work for specific types of people. Thousand percent. So it's like, yeah, okay, cool. You see something you like, you've learned something you like, try it out. If you see success with that, with a specific client specific athlete, specific patient, then next time you see a a situation like that, right, it worked, do it again. But if you have something out of the ordinary that you haven't come across before in terms of like performance limitations or an injury, seek out help. Like the cool thing about our industry and like we, that I love about, you know, our relationship is that, you know, I've giving you guys some stuff to help you out with like the programming stuff. And anytime I have a question about yeah, sure. any sort of injury where I'm just like, yeah, uh, absolutely. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to you guys. So the cool thing about our industry is the majority of people lo- like to share, share what works, share their knowledge. Um, and I, I think that's, that's huge too. And it, the fact that you guys are bridging that gap and you guys are literally wearing two hats and doing them both well, I think is, is phenomenal for. And I think we do it well because we have connections like yours. So like you, like Matt Ibrahim, like all these like connections that we've made over the past that we can bounce things off of because I mean, yeah, Nick and I have a pretty strong strength conditioning background, but I was going to talk about this later. I'm going to talk about now. So because there are a lot of PTs out there that do performance training, but not all PTs are good trainers and not all trainers are good at doing rehab. So it's, it's, you kind of have to, like, it's nice when you can have that fine line, but if you don't have that fine line, you have to know when you don't and to refer out to Jackson to do this type of training that I'm just not familiar with. You know what I mean? Or, you know, send this person to this person, this rehab specialist, because they know how to deal with whatever ACL injuries. I don't know. But either way, I feel like so many of these people that think that they've gone to school for so long, they think they've already got it. They're like, dude, I went to school for seven years. I can do training, but you can't though. Because how many, programming how many is people hard. did you train when you were in school? <laughs> zero. Exactly. exactly, dude. Zero. You know? And yeah. I, I think it's important to note with that, that 
it's okay to not be good at one of them. Or for example, like you were saying, like all the different um, schools of thought you pick from, if one of them doesn't resonate with you or it doesn't really make that much as much sense to you as another one, it's okay to not use that one, right? It's okay to, to pick and choose the one that kind of makes sense to you and work for you. And then you might know vaguely about the other ones, but you don't have to use them. There's no, there's no law there saying you have to use them. And then same thing like Chad was just saying, it's okay to not know or not be good at one particular thing as long as you know when to refer to the right person. Um, so we're not saying that you need to develop the skills to be good at all these things. It's just, okay, cool. If that's not your cup of tea, great. Just know that, know someone who is, that, that is their cup of tea so you can use them and, and bounce stuff back and forth and, and send people their way, you know, and they'll do the same, they'll reciprocate, they'll do the same for you. So, um, yeah, knowing yeah, your strengths no, and weaknesses it's, it's, too, like for Nick sure. is way stronger on you know like whoa, he's gonna, whoa, whoa, whoa. repeat that uh, stronger wait, wait, wait. I said, you didn't finish i didn't finish my sentence oh uh, <laughs> let's just stop Actually, it right you there you probably are stronger than me <laughs> no i'm just you kidding, probably I'm are not. stronger than me no i'm not but yeah. he's way stronger right. at me with training certain types of athletes than i am and i have no problem even if somebody's like nope i want to see chad i'm like dude i'm telling you right now you're better off seeing nick like he's gonna help you he's gonna help you way better than i can so just knowing you know where your strength and weaknesses lie is is super important yeah it's like my dad it's so funny everyone in my family just assumes like i'm like I don't know if they think like I'm a doctor or something. They're asking me about <laughs> all these different injuries, like just things like way out of my scope. Totally. Like, what should I do? It's like, call a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my dad, a lot of issues with his feet. I'm like, guess what, dad? You're, you're going to see Nick, right? Like, I'm, uh, I don't know. Yeah, what, the uh, for sure. Exactly. So just understanding, you know, when to refer out, I think is huge. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Cool. Do we have any other questions for Jackson? I think that's it. I get let's 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 give the the listeners uh, a nice one just so they can may, maybe take some practical um, piece away. But what would you say if you had to pick one best for your bank, best bang for your buck? Jeez, best bang for your buck exercise. What would it be? Anything. It could be anything. It could be. It doesn't have to include weights. It could be sprinting. It could be. Yeah. That's anything. A good question. I know anything on planet Earth. Ah, it's tough. Um, I'm go- I'm gonna go with. You could pick two if you want. I think it was one. It was well, one. I'm, I'm, I'm saying you could pick two. I, I don't know. I like <laughs> I like to hear this one. We can give ours two. If What's you yours? Do, do you have What's one? yours? Nick? So if if I had to pick one for anybody and everybody, I th- I think I would go with a loaded carry, like just a, a farmer's carry. Yeah, that's um, a good one. It, it it could be dumbbell, kettlebell, trap bar, anything, but like heavy, heavy, make them, put them under a little stress. It gets the heart rate up a little bit. It gets them breathing a little heavy. Um, you, you can't really mess it up. You could mess it up on the picking up the weight, but other than that, you could just elevate the weight closer to them. Um, so I would say for, for novices, for elite people, elite athletes, uh, I think that's probably best bang for your buck um, would be, would be my, my go-to, I think. I like that. That's solid. I didn't even think about that one. That, yeah. that gets what were you going to say? Bench press? No. <laughs> not, I mean, the best bang for your buck on chest day, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, or, you know what? Well, actually, gonna, after best bang for your buck, we'll do favorite. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say right. this. I'm going to say just walking. 
would be the best Woo! bang for your buck because I got to do I more. I like of that. it. I got to do more of that. I like it. it. It works so many different systems besides the fact that you're, you know, getting your, well, for me, I'd be getting my heart rate up. But <laughs> that's that's kind of soft. Mentally, and if it's wicked see, soft. If you start soft. seeing Chad and myself walking around Salisbury, it's because we've decided to just walk more. <laughs> and we're just, I didn't say carries because we just did a shit ton of carries yesterday. Well, and my hands those, are all uh, beat up. You and could have those three pound uh, pink dumbbells <laughs> in your hand. While you're walking, yes, yes, I'm, I will. So <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the split squat. I, I like it. I think if you're picking one exercise, you can manipulate it so many different ways based on what your goal is. Um, but I think it's probably what I use the most, whether it's for a gen pop client mm-hmm. or a uh, or an athlete. I think in terms of bang for your buck, it you know huge for strength and. It takes you into deeper ranges of motion at your hip, knee, and ankle that I think more than anyone ever does, which I think from a health standpoint and from an athletic performance standpoint, it's it's kind of um, hard to beat. And, you know, everyone will go back to like a squat. Well, you know, if you work with enough people, you can see most, a lot of people's squats look like garbage. Yeah. Um, and everyone squats really hard. based on, you yeah. know, uh, their their you know, Structure. shapes, sizes, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you, and you can manipulate constraints to oh. achieve, achieve a good enough yeah. split squat to get something out of it. So I think that's probably why, I mean, some people are just not meant for squatting. Squatting's not the best exercise for everyone, but I think split squats or split squats. And then if someone, I'll throw in a, if someone can do chin-ups, I think that's huge. I was going to say Ooh, pull-ups. Nice. Yeah, I, was gonna I say like that. that. Yeah. That was going to be one. So it, the split yeah. squat is great too from a rehab perspective. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uses if someone's got foot, ankle issues, knee issues, hip issues, but even back. Um, and you can make a case for, you know, even like rib cage mechanics and stuff like that. But it's it's great. You can mimic different phases of gait. It's, it's fantastic from a rehab perspective too. So I like the split squat. Yeah, um, I mean, you can, you know, limit like what your torso is doing, how yeah, deep you're sure. going, how much weight you're doing. I mean, are you, are you jumping out of it? Are you, yeah. is your front foot elevated, back foot elevated? Yeah. Like it's, there's, yeah, for it's sure. Phenomenal exercise. Yeah. Um, okay. So we did best bang for your buck. What's your favorite exercise? Favorite? Favorite one to do yourself. Deadlift. You gotta, you gotta do what you're good at. And let's be clear. I'm not that good at any exercise, but. If there's something I can move a little bit of weight on, it's it's the deadlift. So I enjoy, I enjoy what I'm good at. Partly also because my you got a deep squat though too. That's because my that. heels are elevated. <laughs> my ankles don't move, so <laughs> who knows where I'm getting that range from? Deadlift deadlift doesn't doesn't uh, require me That's to move true. my you like That's true. so. What's your preferred way to deadlift? Conventional sumo trap bar. What's the goal? <laughs> nice, well done. That was the test. Um, you you want a real goal? Well, I'm just saying. No, what's your favorite way? Favorite? Yeah. Oh, conventional. Grip and nice. grip and rip it. I'm a conventional guy too. Nick likes a sumo. He's a well, sumo I like guy. I like my favorite like, is trap it's bar. Because my femurs are so long. No, my favorite is trap bar. <laughs> my favorite is trap bar for sure. I love the trap bar because that's true. You can just lo- load it up and go, and it, you yeah. know it for for myself it, it feels much better um and it, and it looks but, more like a quarter squat yeah it's true i mean that's why i like it is it really a deadlift though that's why i like it's it. it's like by definition it, i guess you're yeah i guess it is by definition but like you're right it doesn't really look like a deadlift it's like i a, would say that would be my like favorite exercise. squat. yeah 
It's a hinge squat. I, yeah. I got nice quads. I, I get know. to use my quads more with the trap you bar. Do. What do you want from me? I know, I know. Yeah. What's <laughs> your favorite, true. Chad? Oh, bench Besi- press. Well, besides the bench, bench press. press. Besides the bench press. Come on. Everyone knows your favorite is the bench press. You know press. what? My second favorite, if we're talking lower body. No, I love hip thrusts. I can't wait to get that new hip thrust machine. That thing's nice. going to be sick. Hip thrusts are I good. love hip thrusts. Hip thrusts yeah. are good. The setup. The, the, setup the, the, hip, the, the machine's going to be great because the setup yeah. for hip thrust is just the, yeah. it's, it's the nuisance. Yeah. You know, getting under it, the pad, all that kind of stuff. But I will say that that doing that single like hip thrust with landmine has been pretty cool. Yeah, that one's awesome. That one feels That's really a good pretty one. good. Yeah. Even the setup for that too is annoying. Yeah, I know. I know. You got to move, move over to the other side. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> That's why yeah. that machine's going to be sick. I, I can't wait for that thing. Yeah. I'm going to get booty gains. We're going to do that test where we like roll the barbell on the ground to see if we're we're making progress. See, what's that called what's that test called the um uh, the, i don't even know uh, carissa knew what it was called yeah i don't That's know right. but for anyone wondering what we're talking about you lay on the ground on your stomach and you you roll the barbell and it if it stops because your butt hits it your butt's in the way we'll just call it a booty gain you test a nice, yeah it's the booty gain test <laughs> so you got you got nice nice buns if you uh if you stop, the I'm going for those 45s butt. too. No, 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 no arching up though. No yeah, hiking no, no, up. Yeah, the uh, research paper coming out on that. <laughs> <laughs> we should, <laughs> we should put a little something together. Dude, we should. That'd be sick. <laughs> what uh, what journal is that going to? We'll make our own. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, that might be in in a, a journal people have never heard of. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So. It's not going to last long, probably. All right, I think that I think that's what do you think? good. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add, Jackson? No, I mean, I appreciate getting the opportunity to come talk with you guys and hopefully uh, people can take some value from what they heard. And uh, if they want to. Yeah. How can they reach out to you, Jackson, if they want to find out about you? I want to reach out to me. Uh, My Twitter and Instagram handle are uh, coach J underscore Fry, F-R-E-Y. So those are are two good ones. Instagram, I'm a a little more active on. Uh, But yeah, I mean, feel free to to reach out to me through there if you have any questions on anything you heard or you just kind of want to want to learn more or if you have anything you want to teach me i'm all ears yeah i love it i love it well i love the conversation we had a lot of laughs yeah, and a lot good. of yeah great stuff so what do we got going on for our next episode nick so we're, we're changing it up a little bit we're we're going to get into specific diagnoses like common diagnoses that we typically see and um just looking at all of the analytics from the podcast episodes that we've had in the past, people love the feet. They love the feet. Yeah, so it's been, it's been a while since we talked about yeah. the feet. So I've been itching. There's a lot of like foot fetish people out there, like closet foot fetish people out there that we didn't know about. Yeah, so, just come out, people. I, I mean, know. Just, there's no need to be in the closet. About no, it. feet are awesome. Yep, they're pretty sweet. So, like, I think on the next episode, we're going to talk about plantar fasciitis. Yeah, if you've been given the diagnosis of plantar fasciitis in air quotes, we will. Uh, we will talk all things plantar fascia. Well, everyone has self-diagnosed himself. For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. It's just been, just uh, Google foot pain. And that's what, that's web, what you have. Yeah. WebMD or How do we treat it? How to. is it being treated? How should it yeah. be treated? How should we're it not gonna, be treated? We're going to talk a lot about it. All and we're going to enlighten you a little bit on the the plantar fascia. It'll we're definitely going to. We're going to have to convince you guys that it's not what you're thinking it is. No spoilers. Nah, I'm no, not going to spoil no it. Spoilers. I'm not going to spoil it. All right, so we always finish off with the moral of the story. And a lot of times I have the moral of the story before we go, but when we ever have a guest, I usually just write it on the fly. So we had a lot of great information. I'm not going to say that we didn't, but if I took one big takeaway from this, it's that you're never too big to do the little things. And sweep the sheds. And remember, keep the logo up. Right, Red Hawk up. Red Hawk up.
Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at ProformPTMA.com or on social media at ProformPTMA. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.